guys to have the opportunity to share from his word is that you'd hear uh, his voice. And that goes for the online uh, crew as well. Uh, there still are people who watch online. Uh, so I would give a shout out to Annette. Uh, I believe there's some people watching from Germany. There's some friends out in Manitoba, Perry Sound. You all know who you are. Um, but, uh, yeah, just really, you know, sometimes we forget that we have an online audience. And some of you here forget that sometimes, too. So just if you walk down the aisle, you'll uh, just wave, you know, and smile. You are, uh, well, not going viral, but uh, there'll be a few people who see you. So, uh, but good, man. What a great morning. So you got your Bibles with you this morning? I'm sure you already have them out and you're ready. This, uh, we, we know this is more than a book. It's uh, the, the, the words of God that are just living, powerful. They speak to, to the inner part of us. Uh, they, they help us find Christ uh, and uh, as well to find community, uh, which is something that we are all about here. Uh, so this morning, um, I'd encourage you to take some notes. There's some papers in front of you. Maybe you already have your own notebook. That's even better. Uh, that's great. Uh, and uh, grab a pen. You can jot down some of the thoughts, but not so much the thoughts that I'm saying as m- more so what did th- those thoughts speak to you and to, uh, to write that down. So the title for today is called The Inner Gardener. The Inner Gardener. Here we are. It's, uh, and it's not spring yet, but you know, today is spring ahead day. Uh, we lose the hour of sleep and spring ahead. And it just gets that, it awakens that inner gardener in, in many of us. Any other gardeners here in the room today? You're too tired to, to raise your hand? I got gotcha. you. You know, there's, there's for me, man, I, I, I got this outer gardener as well. I love to, like, I, I always hated it as a kid, but there's something about it now. I just think it's just an incredible, incredible thing to witness how a seed uh, can, can sprout and grow and become this, uh, you can grow your own stuff, your own food. It's, it's, it's uh, something I really enjoy. One of the things uh, I realized over time is that you can learn some lessons from other gardeners, uh, their experiences, their expertise. We've got a gardening group, and they give you uh, tips and tricks. Like today, like it's time to to uh, prune the apple trees in the next couple of weeks. And uh, but then you can also learn from your own garden. Anybody done that? Uh, where you know the like, I remember drowning my potatoes the first year and got nothing. And uh, then I dried out all the watermelons and cucumbers. And I was like, okay, we got to put things in the opposite places. But that was a whole waste of a year on those things. Never, never saw anything. Uh, and it can happen in our lives as well, where we can do life and we can, you know, end up making mistakes and going, oh, man, I wish I had. Or we can learn from those who've gone before, learn from uh, the expertise of what uh, we see in his word. And that's my prayer today is that we'll learn from these real guys, Matthew, Mark and, uh, and Luke, who uh, uh, eyewitnesses of Jesus uh, were some of them were there for the story we're talking about today. Others wrote the eyewitness accounts of it. And so we're going to look at that this morning. So if you have your Bible, go to Mark chapter four. Matthew and Luke, like I said, share this as well. So we'll take a look at uh, some some points some of the, their uh, takeaways from it as well. Mark chapter 4. We're going to read in uh, verse 1, but before we jump in, would you just set your mind to, you know, to, to the shores of Sea uh, of Galilee, uh, just thinking about what this might have looked like. Picture it as we read. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore, and a very large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got into a boat, Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. And he taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Can you hear his words as he says, Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed one day. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. 
those seeds, they sprouted up quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out those tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, they grew, they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. And then he said out to the crowd, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. You picture it? Especially that last line is sitting in the boat, and he says out to the crowd, anyone with ears to hear, let them listen, let them listen and understand. It's actually a very famous phrase of Jesus throughout, uh, throughout Scripture. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you'll see this pop up over and over again. He keeps calling out to the crowd, looking for an individual. To the crowd, he says, hey, anyone, and today the same thing. Anyone, anyone who has ears to hear, you're hearing, but I want you to listen and understand. It wasn't even just during Jesus' time on earth. We know that this is also what he's saying from heaven as he speaks in Revelation to the churches through John. John, to every church, hears Jesus say, if you got ears to hear, listen for what the Spirit is saying. Uh, and that they would understand. Because that's really the point of a parable. It's, it, there, there's a point to it. It's not just another story. It's not like Jesus like, oh, look at all these people. What am I going to do? I'll tell them some stories. And then somebody in the back is like, hey, when you're done this one about the farmer, can you do the, the kid in the pig pen one again? I brought my son. He really needs to hear it. Like it wasn't like requests of just funny stories. There was something behind each and every one of them that he wanted to understand. There was a goal to it. Uh, parables were earthly stories with heavenly meanings. There was something that you learned about the spiritual from the stuff you learned in the natural. And the goal is that people would understand spiritual things. That's why he shouts out to them. Anyone with ears to hear, let them listen and understand. And so the question today we have to ask ourselves is, are we listening? Are you listening? Well, we got one. It's like we've been doing this for six minutes and I lost all of you. Are you listening this morning? Really listening, though? All right. We'll, we'll take that because, you know, we, in our pre-marriage class, we talk about how to have great relationships as husband and wife, and we hope that they can find that out before they get married. And one of the things we talk about is communication, that you become a good communicator of how you feel and that you also become a, a good listener to what's being said because there's barriers to listening. You know, uh, we, like when I look at you right now, I can see your mouths are closed. So I know you're not speaking. Some of you, your eyes are closed. So I know you're not looking. Uh, and, uh, but there's nothing to tell me that your ears are closed. I, I can't really tell just by looking at you. There is no physical thing. I mean, we, anybody who has teenagers or, you know, you see the, you see the kids with the, the big earphones. I mean, we have like this kid maybe. Where you can say, and you're like, okay, I know he's not listening to me. He's listening, but not to me. You have it maybe, you know, in your house where the kids are, you can see, I, I know I've got to do something to grab their attention because they're not really listening to me. And we talk about that uh, with our pre-marriage classes that all of us have the ability to have those on the inside. We have these inner, inner ear, uh, ear protectors or earmuffs uh, or earphones. And, and what are they? Well, one's like a lack of interest. You know, maybe you're wearing those this morning and you're sitting here like, I'm just waiting for it to get good. You know, then I'll listen in again. When's the next story? Then, uh, then, I'm, then I'm listening. 
And uh, maybe others, it's selective listening, also known as selective hearing. Uh, some of us are experts at that. You know, you only hear what you kind of what you want to hear. Uh, and then there's memories and attitudes that just all of a sudden you heard a word. Like some of you, you heard the word gardening and you're still there. You're thinking about your garden right now. And where, where the garlic, when's it going to be ready? And what else do I have to do in there to prepare? Like catch up because we're beyond that already. But that, that's what happens, right? It's that, it's that, that inner um, inner headphone, and then maybe it's environment, right? Your buddies are sitting with you. You know, it's like they're like, pss, 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 and you're like, shh, I'm really listening. You you can tell them that. I, 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 that's totally fine, because it's there's those difficulties, those inner things that that cause us to not listen. So the question is, are we listening? Really listening? And and when I say that, you know, uh, Dale Carnegie wrote a book way back in the day, how to uh, win friends and influence people. And he said, listening is one of those great key things where you not listen just with your ears, you listen with your whole self, your ears, but also your eyes, your body posture, your attention. It's the greatest compliment you can pay to anyone. And so this morning when I'm asking, are you really listening? I can see that many of you, yeah, all of those things are at work, but I'm not asking you to listen to me. That's not, that, that's not the important thing. It's that I would hear him. That my, my, my attention, my full focus is on him. That Like Samuel in, in, the, in the scriptures where he says, Speak, Lord, because your servant's listening. Like, I, I know that you're about to share something. Lord, I know you want to say something to me today. I'm listening. Because every morning we gather together here, I don't think the point of getting together was, I'm just going to go and do church. They have free coffee, so, you know, I'll get up early to go. I, I mean, if it's that, you're missing out. I think we get together in these times and we sit through things like this, hoping, hoping that we might just hear him. Believing that the God of the universe is real and really cares about us, but not just in a group, but that he cares about me. That he might speak to me, that I could sing those words, I am a child of God. That it would be this individual thing. So my prayer today is that in your heart of hearts, you're like, speak, Lord, because your servant is listening. And asking that question, okay, we just read about this, this sower in the seed, the story. What does it mean? What does it mean? What a great question. How do I know it's a great question? Because it goes on to say this in Mark chapter 4, verse 10. Later, when Jesus was alone with the disciples uh, and the others who were gathered around, so he's not alone alone, but the, the crowds have kind of dispersed. And the disciples ask him, what did the parables mean? What did the parables mean? This isn't just a question. This is a response on their part. One of the keys to understanding it is this, is this response to what Jesus has said. It's like, Lord, I want to know what it means. That's the part we play. The crowd didn't ask that question. The crowd here may not ask that question today, but individuals will. Say, Lord, I want to know what it means. I want to know what it means for us today. And uh, you're like, well, Jesus isn't right here in the room. Like, how They got to ask him. Well, we have it even better we get to ask Holy Spirit who lives in the heart of every believer. The one who embodies us. We're his temple. Holy Spirit uh, was promised that he would lead and guide us into truth. So Lord, would you lead us into truth today? Not my opinions. Not what I hope it says. Not what I hope scripture means. Just would you lead us to what, it, what, what the truth is in your word today. So let's, let's uh, follow along in verse 11. Jesus replied to them after they'd asked, hey, what does it mean? And look for the key word. If you're having trouble, it's in yellow. Uh, He replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. But I use parables for everything I say to outsiders. So the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they'll turn to me and be forgiven. Jesus said to them, "If 
If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? You notice a key word in there? It's understand, yeah, yeah, it's it's understand. He, he mentions it multiple times. He says, you're permitted to understand. The others won't understand. The outsider won't understand. But if you can't understand this, how are you going to understand all the other things? What is Jesus c- c- um, caring about here? That they would understand, that the disciples would understand. He's like, yeah, but, but didn't he just say he speaks in parables so that, it's, so that people don't understand? Very true. Like if you think about the culture Jesus is living in, he's not, he doesn't have, the, everybody in the crowd is not friends. They're not all there because they actually want to hear what, the, what God would be speaking to them through Jesus. Many of them are there because they're Pharisees and they're like, we just want to trap him. We just want to hear him say one thing that we can use against him. And it's interesting that when he's on trial before his crucifixion, they can't find anybody who can corroborate a story of what Jesus said that was, um, that was problematic because he would speak in these parables. He's like, here, I'll, let me talk about farming. And they're like, oh, you know, he's like, let me talk about like these, the vineyard owner. And they're like, Oh, you, we almost had him. We, we were going to try and trick him, and we still can't. One of the reasons he shared parables with the, with the outsider, the other is that in Rome, if any new king and kingdom started rising up, they got squashed really quick. And here we have Jesus spent saying for a few years that I've come as a new king in a new kingdom, but he, used, he would speak it in parables in, these, in this other language in a sense that they, the Romans, Romans never had like a, a bona fide claim that could say, hey, we can crush this guy. So that's kind of the only reason he was saying, speaking in parables. But his ultimate goal is that people would understand, that his disciples would understand, that you in the room this morning would understand. And uh, I, we, we know it even when Nicodemus, you know, Nick came to him at night and said, you know, Jesus, we know you're a great teacher, but you're teaching stuff we haven't heard before. And uh, he says, some, Nicodemus, you're like an expert in Scripture. How do you not understand who I am or why I'm here? And he doesn't just be like, see you later. He, he, he explains it to him, which just tells me that Jesus wants us, even in this room this morning, to understand what he's saying as his disciples. So here, here's what it is, and there's four main points here, that Jesus goes on to explain the meaning. And so he said, this is the point of the story, just like there was four different types of um, soil being, uh, where the seed is being thrown, that soil represents four different conditions of the heart. It represents something here. Like if, he was, if, if Jesus was here this morning and this was the first time he was sharing the story, he'd probably say to you, hey, to all those listening, you know, there was a guy sowing seed and he threw it on Haldeman Clay. And you're like, oh yeah, I know what that's like. And then he moved on to Norfolk where, you know, it's just a whole lot better. And then he stopped by, you know, you know Stone Bridge and even like the seaweed was barely hanging on for dear life over there. He, he said, you'd be like, oh yeah, I, I can picture those things. But he says, but now which one are you? Which one are you? Because what I'm talking about, he says, is hearts. There's some hearts that are hard. There's some hearts that are like pure gold. There's some hearts that are stony. Which one are you? And he goes on to explain them. We're going to look at that Matthew or Mark 4.14. It says this. He says, the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. His, his word, his voice, it's, it's the same message. It's the same seed being thrown everywhere. The gospel message is what Luke talks about. Uh, and and um, Matthew and Mark are just like, hey, it's God's word, which is what's happening here this morning. It's being cast out on different types of hearts. It lands in different places, but it's the same message. That's why some will hear it and be like, oh, this was, this was definitely for me. And others will be like, ah, you know, it's too early. I didn't get anything. That's not the seed 
That's the heart. He goes on to say in verse 15, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. See that word here? You're going to see it over and over and over because all of them hear the message. They all hear it, but are they really listening? Do they understand? And he says there's a group of people who will hear the word spoken and then it's gone. You know, how many of you have had that experience where it's like you're in the parking lot and somebody says, yeah, you know, what would you think of that? You're like, oh, oh uh, it, it was good. You know, what part did you like? Uh, <laughs> uh, just give me a minute and I'll remember, right? It's one of the reasons we're like, hey, you should take notes. Why? Because it, the birds didn't come and take it away. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, do you realize that Satan himself and his minions is going to try and steal any word that he can? Starting with the gospel, when you hear the good news about Jesus, he's going to try and take that out of your heart instantly, if he can, so that you don't believe and be saved, is what Luke says. But he'll do it for every message. It doesn't matter where, what word is being said. He's going to try and take it out. And you think about that. Man, there's spiritual warfare going on right now for your attention. Some are like, I don't, I don't know this whole spiritual warfare thing. I don't know what that is. Like, are you supposed to like run around, pray in tongues, and swing like the invisible sword? You know, devil, I got the word. Or no, actually, that might be part of it. But good listening is actually spiritual warfare. We're like, no, I'm not going to let him steal it. I'm like, I'm in. I'm zoned in. That is spiritual warfare as you listen for his voice and say, I'm, I'm not letting go of this. That, that happens with the gospel message. And so my question today is, are you really listening? Is it that like, yeah, no, I recognize a spiritual battle that Satan's going to try and take this. I, I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait until I get what is supposed to be gotten. Maybe, maybe your heart condition today is that, though. It's like, eh, I'll listen to it and it's gone. It's like, eh, I'm just sort of hearing and, 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 and leaving. Is that the condition of your heart today? Or might it be like this? Verse 16, it says, The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message. They immediately receive it with joy. So they also hear, but they receive the word with joy. It says, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Remember, he's talking about heart conditions here. And when he speaks of the gospel, he's saying some people, they receive it and they're like, with joy. I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who just recently gives their heart to the Lord, had the great experience of that uh, uh, recently as well, just leading somebody to Christ. And what do they describe it as? I feel this weight got lifted off me. I'm like, man, I can't stop smiling, right? It's like, life is just, life is just better. I, like, does everybody, you know, have this experience? We're like, yeah, th- that experience happens. And if, if it's um, been you recently, that's what he's describing. He's saying, hey, there's a, this, this group of people that hear it. They receive it. There's a joy that comes out. But, and you can leave the picture up, they don't last long. Well, that's depressing. Why does that happen? He says they don't get deeply rooted, they, they're like, oh, yeah, I received the word. I received the gospel. Jesus forgives me. But they don't get deeply rooted. And it says as soon as they have problems. And you're like, wait, I thought Jesus took away all my problems. So I'm so happy now. Guess what's coming? Problems. Problems. Every New Testament writer either promised problems were coming or they wrote their letters saying, here's the problems that I need to deal with. Problems are coming your way. So as, a, as one who receives the word, it's like, I can't just receive it. I better get this thing rooted down deep in my heart quick. And maybe you're like one of those people that in the times of trouble, you feel yourself drifting from, from the Lord. You're like, uh, you know, I, uh, maybe it's like, I don't even know if he exists. I don't, uh, like, God, I thought this was going to be easier than this. I know you said problems, but these are tough. Like, don't you care? I don't even know if you exist. I, 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 I've been around people like that. 
What's happening there? It's a heart. It's a heart condition that received it with joy, but didn't allow the roots to go deep. Is that your heart condition today? Or might it be like this? Verse 18, there's a seed that fell among the thorns, uh, and it represents those who hear God's word just like everyone else, but all too quickly, that message is crowded out by the worries of this life, by the lure of wealth, by the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. So remember that no fruit is produced thought for a second. But what's he saying? He's like, here's a heart that allows the seed to grow, but it also allows weeds to grow. And every heart has that ability. Maybe this is your inner garden. You're like, you guys see the beans? <laughs> Me neither. You know, it's like... It gets so overgrown and so choked out. And I was thinking of titling this message today, Three Keys to an Unfruitful Life. If you want to have an unfruitful life that's sucky, do these three things. Yeah, I know. What are they? Jesus says to them, the things that are choking out your inner life, he says, they're the worries of this life. He's like, why... (laughs) You know, why, why are you worried about tomorrow, about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, about what the future is? Matthew talks about that uh, as, as he writes Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He's like, Jesus says to them, don't be thinking about what will I eat, what will I drink, what will I wear? He's like, your focus is all on me, me, me. He says, uh, he says that's what unbelievers think about. The, the ones who don't have trust in, in God, that's what they think about. He's like, but don't you realize you have like a heavenly father. He's perfect. He loves you. He's taking care of you. You don't need those anxious thoughts in your life. Those worries are actually choking you out. He says also the lure of wealth. And I thought about this, you know, there's that golden lure. Isn't it pretty? What's on the other end of a lure? (laughs) Yeah, the hook. Okay, that, that part's a little problematic. I just like the shiny part. So do all the fish. And then what happens? The hook is, it's the trap. And I think it's a clever word to say it's the lure of wealth. Because it's not wealth itself, but it's that lure for more of it, just for more of it. It's, uh, scripture talks about it often in First Timothy. It says that the love of money, not money itself, but that love of money, it's the root of all kinds of evil. You will do evil things to get there. Lie on a tax return, you know, cheat somebody out of something, sell them something that's no good, because it's that, oh, that lure of wealth. Proverbs 1, Solomon, one of the richest men to ever live, he just simply said, people don't realize that those who are greedy for wealth, it actually robs the life of of the owner. It's like, I'll work overtime, I'll work overtime, I'll work overtime, I gotta make that dollar, make that dollar, make that dollar, and then you make all those dollars, and you look back and go, "Ah, snap, I like a waste of my whole life in pursuit of this. That's what he's talking about. He's like that lure of wealth. it's actually luring your heart somewhere. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And you don't want your heart tied to here. Because we as believers know there's more to this life than just this life. So why would I want my heart tied here? And that's Jesus' point. He says, some some hearts, they're they're being choked out simply because of that that lure. And then the final thing he says is there's a desire for other things. It's like a weed choking you out as well. And the desire for other things is like having ADD in Times Square. So here, you know... I just want you to focus on Yahoo here. You can see Yahoo right there? Okay, just focus on Yahoo for a minute. Okay, there's a test. How many of you saw Panasonic? Anybody? Okay, there's a few. Yeah, we got some honest people. How many of you saw, how many of you saw Rico? How many of you just saw Rico now? Uh-huh. I told you, focus on Yahoo. I know you're like, wait a second, I, I, just, I can't help it. I just keep seeing other things. Like, how many of you... I'm not even going to ask because I don't want anybody to have to lie today that you only saw Yahoo and you're just like, I just was able to stay on that. 
for many of us, our hearts are just like this. It's like, yes, Lord, I want you. And I want that. And I want that. And like, it's these desires for all of these things in our life. And it can be all kinds of things. As you read through the New Testament, it talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of money, the lust for sex, the lust for power, the lust for fame, the lust for pride, the lust for happiness. Like, it's like, some of those things are good things, but they're pursuing them in a non-God-honoring way. And those things are, they, they actually lead you to regret and they're choking you out. And he says that that's a heart condition. So you'll hear something today, like even a message like today. And yet as you're going through life, there's all of these things choking you out. The interesting thing about this heart is that the seed did start growing. And some of you are like, isn't that a good thing? You know, the seed started to grow in my, in my life. The thing is this, it never produces fruit. It'll grow, but it won't produce fruit. And you think about that, that was Jesus' point. How many of you would love to plant a garden and never harvest anything from it? Anthony, thoughts? No, I agree. We, we, no, we want to see something for all of that hard work. And so here's the question, is that your, the condition of your heart this morning? Where it's like, yeah, like I hear the word sometimes, but I just, I'm not seeing anything happen in my life. Could it be the condition of a heart? Because the intention is that the end goal would be of seed being sown is that it would bear fruit. Here it is, Mark 4.20, the last part of it. It says, and the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear. Just like everybody else, they're hearing. But there's something different. They accept it. And the words understand is how Matthew translates it. They understand. They hear. They really listen for what he's saying. They understand it. And they produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as have been planted. Luke actually says they patiently produce. They know it takes time to get there, but they're in for the long haul. You know, they're one that says, I'll savor the sunny moments in my life. Man, when all's going well, yeah, God, you're good. And then when it rains and when it pours, Lord, I trust you that this is for my good. And you know what? We know it in plants. For sure, it's for the good. The windstorm that comes is like, Lord, <laughs> this sucks, but may my roots grow deeper through this, that I may be strengthened and strong, that I might bear fruit to your glory, because that's what you saved me for. And you know what? Jesus makes a connection here in this story between salvation and bearing fruit. He doesn't say that, you know, if you bear fruit, you'll be saved. He's not saying your good works is going to save you. But what he does say is that those who receive the, the gospel, the, the seed of the gospel, the ones with this heart, the ones who are saved, they're the ones who bear fruit. He says that's, that's what happens as a result. And Jesus said, like in verse 9, then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And that's my statement for us today. Would you listen and understand? Are you listening? Really listening? Let's wrap this up. Because the interesting thing about this story is that it's descriptive, not prescriptive. Do you see that? Jesus didn't give them any hints on like, or hint, there's maybe hints, but there's no explicit, well, this is how you fix your heart. If I were to ask today, how many of you, you're like, yeah, I feel like my heart's kind of like that Holman clay. It's, it's, a little, it's a little hard. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know that anything's really happening in my spiritual life. Maybe you describe it like some of the others. Jesus, he doesn't describe, like he... He doesn't prescribe and say, this is what you need to do in this story. He just describes those hearts for them. And he doesn't tell them how to fix the soil. Like in my, in my place, the, my first year in the garden, I was found out the topsoil is about this thick. And I'm like, man, you don't grow much in that. And I thought, i got to fix this soil. So what did I do? I started bringing in manure. The good thing about that is fertilizer. And some are like, there's a lot of crap happening in my life. It can be for your good. 
It begins to stir up the soil. And then, you know, I brought in, I, I, I just cheated. I was like, Mark Young, can you bring me like dump trucks loads of soil from Norfolk? Because <laughs> I need something. I need sand. I need something. And I don't know. I got some, some good soil. But it, then there's other stuff where it's like where we have um, uh, the, the, the worms that are in the ground and, and organic matter and then letting it rest. And I'm like, I'm going to fix this soil. And some of us today, when we think about the heart condition, we're like, man, what do I do with my heart? If I'm one of those ones, what do I do? Well, Scripture tells us, and, and, and today, there's so many different points throughout Scripture that talk about how we, how we deal with the heart issue. We're not able to like read through all of them. So I'm going to have these slides. You can see the one up on the screen. They'll have a bunch for the different ones with different heart things. If you're like, I can't keep up. Uh, just watch online later. Chris Stone does such a great job of that. You can, we'll put these up there, and uh, you can pause it. You can go and just begin to search through. But here we go. Here's what he says to, the, to those today. If you feel like you're one of the ones who's hard-hearted, Jesus said in John 3 to Nicodemus that you must be born again. You must be born again. Something actually has to change in here, and you can't do it. You're not the one who's able to tinker with your soul and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to kind of work on some of those things. He says it doesn't work that way. You need to surrender it to him. You need to be born again. The spirit gives life on the inside. Ezekiel 36, he said, I promise I'll remove the heart of stone. I'll do that and I'll give you a heart of flesh that's obedient to me. Romans 10, 17, the faith required for salvation comes from hearing and hearing the gospel. As we speak today, he's actually dropping that faith, that trust that you need. He's dropping it in your heart right now. It's just that you would do something with it. Paul to the Philippians, he says, and then hold fast to the word of faith. Hold fast to the word of life. The word of life is Jesus. He's like, hold fast to him. What's he saying? That same thing. Today, as you leave this place, Satan's going to try and take whatever good God was putting in your heart. He's going to try and take you. are like, no, not today, Satan. I'm going to hold on to it for whatever it is. I'm going to keep it here. I'm going to keep it here. Not today. Some of you are like, yeah, I don't... amen. <laughs> Man, I pray that that's not you. And to the one who's the new believing heart, maybe you're just like, man, I'm just kind of new to this stuff. I'm starting to experience what Jesus is doing. He's saying this, get your roots down into him quickly, into him and into his word. Colossians 2 verse 7, Paul says, let your roots grow down into him, into Christ, and let your lives be built on him. Let, think about that. Let everything in your life be rooted into Jesus that, that, he's, that you're aware of his presence all the time. Ephesians 3 says, Trust Christ, let your roots grow down deep into God's love, and it'll keep you strong. Why? Because if our roots aren't into his love, we're going to look for love all over the place. And man, we'll be empty, empty, empty all the time. Um, Psalm 1 says, Those who delight in his word, they meditate on it day and night. They're like trees planted by a river. They, they, they grow fruit in every season. He says, Because they're... they're rooted in him and it's like that okay i gotta get my roots into his word not just that i read it but lord show me what does it mean and then uh, jesus said to, to in matthew 7 he said whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them they're the ones who build a rock solid foundation because you can have different foundations you can have a foundation where where like you said there's a guy who builds his house on the beach because he thinks it's great but when the storm comes remember these guys we said there's trouble coming problems coming He's like, build your life on this. When we talk about this high school saying, hey, it's going to be built on Scripture. <laughs> man, when storms come, it doesn't matter. It's what's here. Our lives, whatever comes my way, man, my life is built on what you say, Lord. No matter what, what you say. 
get your roots down deep to the overcrowded heart. The third one, you know, the overcrowded heart's the one that's got all those, those things that are choking you out. To the anxious, he says in Isaiah 26, that I'll, he'll keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. You see a pattern here? It keeps coming back to him, that a heart is turned to him, and it brings peace in the mind. Philippians, Paul said it to them in Philippians 4, 6. He's like, don't worry about anything. How much can you worry about? Nothing. He's like, don't worry about anything. You've got to worry, give it to God. Talk to him. Thank him that uh, he hasn't abandoned you. And then set your mind on things that are pure and lovely and of good report. Don't allow those things because they're choking you. Just, it's like you're, you begin weeding them out or allowing him to do it. And then now, uh, the, you know, the lure of wealth. Jesus said in Matthew 6, he's like, store up treasure in heaven. What's the treasure in heaven? It's not like, oh, I did good deeds, so I'm going to get gold crowns. You'll get there and be like, oh, gold crowns are like pavement. They're not worth nothing. But he is. He's the treasure. It's like, oh, the connection with Christ. That's the treasure that is going to be, you know, that, my, that brings my heart to where it needs to be. It's not tied here. And then in 1 Timothy, Paul said, hey, to those who are rich, because there are many. He says, to those who are rich, it's not hopeless. He says, just don't trust in your riches. They could be gone tomorrow. But while you have them, be rich in good works. Use them for good. Be generous. Man, we know people like that, and they're, they're, they're phenomenal. Phenomenal. And then uh, with those desires, you know, the things that you're like, oh, it's always this, it's always that. Paul just simply reminds that the believers in Romans and in Galatians, like, that's not your master anymore. You don't have to obey it. So just crucify those things. Just, you know, that when they start tempting you and the desires are there, it's like, no, you're dead and I'm dead to you. You get back on the cross because that's where you belong. I'm not going that way. My desire is for him. And James 1.21, he says, lay aside the filth in your life and receive the engrafted word of God. That just means it just gets totally entangled in your heart and your life. He says, because it'll save your soul. Man, there's this response on our part to this understanding. It's like, God, okay, I get it. I got to get that in here, and I got to get my life surrounded around it. In uh, Romans 12, he says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't think like they think. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is to his word. In Matthew 6, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. Paul said in uh, in Philippians, he says, I count everything else as lost anyways, because I just want to know him. He's seeing that it's all throughout Scripture. It just keeps coming to those hearts, those conditions. And then finally, to the fruitful heart. You know, maybe that's you. And you're like, phew, I don't have to do anything. I'm good. Well, the fruitful heart, he speaks to them as well. In John 15, he describes it as being like, he's the vine, you're the branches. He says, to the fruitful heart, stay connected to me. If you're not connected to me, you can't do anything. Stay connected to me. You cannot bear fruit on your own. And he says, and then when the, when the gardener comes to start pruning, man, that's what the internal gardener, that's who he is. It's him. He begins to come and prune and cut things away. I was talking with a guy this week, and he's like, yeah, he's like, I was dating this girl. She's not a believer. I knew I shouldn't be. And I kept feeling the Lord saying, don't, don't be doing this. He's like, it was so hard to just break up. And he says, but I should have done it so long ago. He's like, man, I just see God at work in my life. There's like just this freedom. And he's like, I realize I'm back where I need to be. What's happening? Pruning. Pruning and realizing it's the goodness of God that prunes in our lives. And then Proverbs 4, 23, a fruitful heart. You better guard that thing. He says in Proverbs 4, guard your heart above all else. Why? Because out of it come the issues of your life. You got issues in your life? (laughs) That's where it's coming from. Because everything grows in there. Guard it. Don't allow other things to be planted and sown into your heart because it will. How's it come in? Through whatever. You know, what, what are you watching on Netflix? It's sowing seeds in your heart. What are you talking about with other people? You know, doubt, negativity, bitterness. It's sowing seeds in your heart. They're going to grow. They will grow. 
Maybe it's like, oh, you know, it's like just always checking, you know, man, uh, like, hey, can I get some extra overtime? Can I get this? He's like, ah, it's growing and it's choking you out. And then finally, we know the fruit of the Spirit. It says the fruit the Spirit produces in your life, love, joy, peace, patience. It's just allowing him to do it. Colossians 1, Paul says, walk with the Lord. Just do life with him. Be faithful, fully pleasing him, and you'll bear fruit in every good work. Jeremiah 17, our last verse today. Jeremiah, way back, way, way back when, prophesied of this, and he said, Blessed is the man who just trusts in the Lord. Like a tree by a stream, does not fear the heat. Its leaves remain green. It's not anxious of drought. And it does not cease to bear fruit. What's he say? Just trust the Lord. Man, it's a great reminder for each and every one of us of where our trust is. So leave you with these questions this morning. What did you hear today? What did you hear today? And what did you understand that he's speaking to you? Because just like that day, there was all kinds of qualities or conditions of the heart. They're here today. There's heart conditions in different places today. Which one are you? Which one are you really? Which one peaks in your, in your, in your heart as you, as you hear this? Be honest enough with yourself to say, okay, that's who I am. And then to simply say, okay, Lord, the good news is that it can change. Not only can it change, it needs to change. So the question is, what would you or what would his word say about the condition of your heart? Maybe for you, it comes down to that thing today. Yeah, you know what? I'm in that spot where my heart has been hard to Christ. I just haven't really believed, uh, received uh, his forgiveness. I haven't really surrendered my life to him. I'm just kind of trying to do this Christian thing. It's, it doesn't work that way. It's like, Lord, okay, I, I surrender to you today. Second, maybe it's will you refuse to allow the enemy to steal anything from you today? Whatever it was that you felt he spoke to you, will you hold on to that today? Pray about it today, tomorrow. Lord, I want to hold on to this until it bears fruit to your glory. And then the last couple, will you begin to dig your roots deeper into him? Intentionally saying, I'm I'm going deeper with you, Lord. Problems are coming. Thanks for letting me know. Prepare me now for what's coming ahead. Believe me, he will. He will. And then finally, will you allow the inner gardener to prune your life for your good and for his glory? Will you not only allow, but embrace what he's doing in your life, that you might be a faithful, fruitful follower of Jesus. Man, aren't you glad you got up early this morning? Father, I pray that as you see our hearts this morning, you know it's truly there. That as we hear your word, it, it is living and powerful like it says. It cuts right to the inner part of us. It reveals, it reveals who we truly are. Father, I thank you for the hope that when, we're, when we were hopeless, you sent your son for us. You made dead men live. You took what was broken inside and you began to make something new. God, we're grateful for that. We cannot do any of this on our own. But Holy Spirit, we ask this morning that as we've looked at your word, it's been like seed sown on our hearts. Lord, I pray that it would find good soil, but wherever it may not, may may it change the soil. God, would you do in our hearts today what needs to be done that you might move through our lives in a way that reaches our world, reaches the people you love dearly. Lord, would it affect our families, our friendships, the way we work. Let, let all of that bear fruit in our life. Father, I just pray over this this morning, your protection over your word. We know there's an enemy out to steal, to kill, to destroy. We're aware of it. Father, I pray that uh, as we live out the rest of this day with you, just reminded to draw our strength from you, to enjoy your presence, to be aware 
the fact that you're right with us. And I ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.